everyone. You're listening to Operation Dichotomy. I'm Paul. I'm your host, and we are the bridge between perception and reality. Just to remind you guys, our goal here is pretty simple. We just want people to be able to listen and understand each other a little bit better, uh, especially when it's hard to hear. I know it's easy to listen to people when everybody agrees with you, but what if they don't agree with you? What if they vehemently disagree with you and hate whatever it is that you have to say? Uh, It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. But if we are able to listen and understand each other in those times, especially, we believe that we're going to be able to heal so much of the divide that we see in our world today. So if that sounds like something that you vibe with and a message that you can get behind, Go ahead and connect with us at operationdichotomy.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Operation Dichotomy. If you're not sure how to spell dichotomy by now, uh, just Google it, look it up. It means there's a divide and we want to fix that divide, right? Uh, Last but not least, if you found any value in these podcasts or uh, think that we've actually made a positive impact in our communities, please go ahead and share our content, get a positive review. Whatever it is to, to make an impact in our world today, uh, we believe that we're putting the content out there so that if you share it, it's easier for you, right? So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for continuing to support us so far. Today and next week, we have kind of a, a little two-part special series um, in the interviews that we're going to have. If, if you haven't realized this already, one of the core values that we want to promote here at Operation Dichotomy is is this idea of taking ownership. We want to solve the problems as we see them. It's not enough for us to just to see the problem and then hope that somebody else comes along to solve it. If we see it, let's start to believe that we see it for a reason. It's because that reason is for us to be the ones to step up and actually take action solving that problem. So again, for this week and next, we're going to sit down with two awesome guests who continue to take initiative, at least from what I can tell. Um, And especially when it's not necessarily easy or convenient for them to do so. These two people are going to be people that embody this idea of, quote unquote, if not us, then who? So our guest today, he is a larger than life figure, in my opinion. His name, if you don't know him already, is Davion Johnson, also known affectionately as DJ by the rest of the world. Uh, He is a co-commentator. In my mind, he's kind of a co-host. He's a humble man, so he's a co-commentator of the Real AF podcast with Andy Frisella and with Vaughn Kohler. He currently serves in law enforcement. He also serves in private security. And maybe the most important role to come is a quote-unquote girl dad, and his life is going to change forever. Yeah. DJ, man, thank you so much for being with us. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. I'm excited. Yeah, girl dad's a big one for me. Uh, so I got got about three more months or so before it, before it really gets real. So uh, right now I'm just holding on by my, my, my belt loops and keeping it going, you know. Man, I'm excited for you. Um, Sonia, earlier, seven months. Seven yeah. months my daughter is now and it's it blew away all expectations. So whatever expectations you have, hold on to them, but it's going to be crazy. Like you said, it's going right. to be a ride. No, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Uh, and happy to be here, man. Again, thank you for having me on, man. I'm excited. My first, my first podcast, first guest on a, an, an, another podcast. So I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to to do this. I think it's going to be awesome. And I uh, just want to say thank you for for reaching out and getting me on here, man. Oh, man, appreciate your time. Uh, let's get right into it because I know you have a lot to say. I know you're uh, 
a complicated man of depth. Uh, you don't say things without having a lot of experience behind it from my experience and from my, I guess my experience just listening to you on the Real AF. Um, if you guys don't know who DJ is, he is a man with a lot of different perspectives. And just for today's sake, like he's obviously more complicated than just these three things. But I want to focus on these three because it, it causes a lot of, um, I don't want to say it causes division, but I think, okay, let's just talk about it and people will see what I'm going to say, all right? <laughs> so DJ, if, if you don't know him, he's obviously a black man. Um, he has a lot of conservative values, uh, whether it's political, uh, economical, um, all that stuff. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But then he also serves in law enforcement. And at the time of this recording right now, it's early July. And so you understand the political climate of what's going on in this country. You understand the racism, the backlash against police brutality and police officers in general. Um, so he's a man who embodies these three different things, conservative values, He's a man who serves in law enforcement, and he's black. And you might be wondering by now, well, how the heck does these three things come together in one guy? So that's, that's what we want to talk about a little bit, man. So tell us just a little bit. Let's start with the conservative values. When someone yeah. calls you conservative, I guess, number one, do you consider yourself conservative? So I, it's funny. So, I mean, I definitely feel like I lean more right than left. But I think when it, when it comes to, to money, right, and how I spend that and and how I want my household run, I'm pretty conservative. Uh, most social views, I actually tend to lean pretty left um, on most social views. I, uh, and, and, you know, I know that it's definitely one that it's, that's ever evolving, right? As I, as I you know, it, it questions where my values stand because I think the most important thing when it comes to, to people having values and morals is they can't just apply to one thing in life, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, if, if your values only stick to one thing, they're not really your values, right? That, that's just that's just how you feel about a certain situation, um, and and so I find it important, you know, when you when you have when we have different things that happen in society in the world, you know, and, and seeing where your values kind of align in, are they applicable to every situation, right? Can you say that no matter what situation that that my values are tested, I, I can stand true to them, right? And I, and I think <clears throat> for me that that was just a goal for myself was to make sure that. You know, I'm the same guy I'm going to be yesterday. I'm, uh, I'm the same guy that I was yesterday. I'll be the same guy today and same guy tomorrow, um, but with growth. Um, you know, and, 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 and I think those values, those key core values are called core values for a reason. Right? Those, those things are what makes you. And I think it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people, uh, especially, you know, people I, I've had known for years, right? DJ, you're awesome, man. I love you so much. And I'm like, yeah, well, I, you know, I'm conservative. Like, oh my God, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, that doesn't change. I mean, like, I, like that's who I am. You know, I, like it doesn't change just because we put this title. And I think the titles are what kind of get, get a screw these days, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it. Um, and I don't want to get too political, but I feel like this adds to the dichotomy a little bit as well. Uh, in this day and age, would you consider yourself "quote unquote" pro-Trump? Um, when you know, when it, when it comes to when it comes to President Trump, man, it's like you know, the first thing is I, I would be the first person to tell you, you know, Trump says some dumb shit. I don't <laughs> think I don't think anybody can deny that. Okay, yeah. he says some dumb things. But who doesn't, right? Um, I think when you get into you know, I'm a man about 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 action. Okay, so. You know, and I think we've all been taught growing up that actions speak louder than words. And, and that holds true to me. 
Um, and so when, when I think when we, when, when we are able to remove our emotions aside, right, and look at what's actually happening, what are the actions, right? And do they benefit me? Do they benefit people that look like me? And, and, and what about people that don't look like me? Um, you know, and, and, and I, I consider myself a pro-Trump guy, I guess. You know, I think he's doing an amazing job. Um, I definitely don't think that, you know, he's getting enough credit for the stuff that he's actually doing, the stuff that he has done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also believe, too, that, you know, just because you don't like somebody doesn't mean that you can't respect what they're doing. And I think the biggest thing right now, the biggest challenge that people are facing right now is like, okay, well, I can't, I, if I don't like them, that means I can't respect them. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's necessarily true. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of good things you can pull from somebody um, just because you don't like them uh, or, or, or like what they say. You know, if, if, if at the end of the day, what are, they, what, what are their actions or what are they doing? A lot of people that I know who speak on the issue of being either pro or anti-Trump, I feel like they, they just don't know at the grassroots what's going on, like factually. They see yeah. what the media tells them. And you know, I think we all kind of agree that media has, has become a problem these days in terms of what they, what they talk about and what they sensationalize. sensationalize. Um, so from your perspective, I know you mentioned that you see Trump as a man of action who has done things for quote-unquote people like you. For people that aren't really aware of what some of those things are, can you just share from your perspective? Absolutely, man. So, so um, and, and it's becoming easier to see these things, right? I mean, and, and that's the biggest thing I, I tell people, you know, is, is go, go do the research on your own. Go look for yourself. And, and it's not like, you know, you got to go read an encyclopedia from – you know, that's not how it works. We have everything at our, at our fingertips. And so a couple of things that, that I really, really like and appreciate that he's done, um, for example, the given given permanent funding to HBCUs, so historical black colleges and universities, right? So every single year for as long as, you know, time goes, right? Um, every single year, all the presidents and chancellors of these uh, HBCUs come together and they go to the White House and they have to ask these presidents for funding every single year. Well, you know, they went to, to President Trump back in March, I believe, um, for this annual, you know, convention to ask, beg for more funding, essentially, is what it was. And, you know, and, and Donald Trump said, you know, hey, listen, guys, like, you know, I love meeting with you guys. And this is awesome. But I don't want we, we shouldn't have to keep meeting for this same reason. Right. Because this has been three years now that they've had to meet with them. And, uh, you know, and so he gave them permanent funding for the next 30 years and, and they can't be can't be touched. It can't be taken away. It's theirs. And, and, and so he told him, you know, like, I want you guys to keep coming back, you know, keep coming see me. I think this is awesome, but I don't want it to be for these reasons. Right. And so mm-hmm. for me as a black man now, you know, again, raising a daughter about to bring a, a, a black female into this world. I think that's awesome. Right. My daughter now will have the opportunity to if she chooses, goes to this HBCU and, and they're still going to be there. Uh, you know, because with HBCUs, are, you know, it's not it's not a diverse college, right? It's obviously it's a historically black college university, but um, the entrance rates have been going down. Um, and so to be able to say, you know, hey, we still have a funding and we're going to be in the next 30 years unquestioned, I think is amazing. Right. But but that's a real thing that he's done. Um, you talk about the First Step Act, Opportunity Zone. So he's done countless of things. Um, the unemployment rate for black people has been the lowest ever. Right. Not not just in his presidency, not just in the past 10 years ever. This is the lowest unemployment rate has been for 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 black people. Um, and it's been under his presidency. And I think that's that's that says a lot. You know, I think 
And again, it's just something that nobody wants to talk about. It's not something that's popular. And so it's like, oh, well, you know, Donald Trump hates black people. Well, I've, I've never heard him say that, <laughs> you know, I've never heard him say that, I, but I have seen him do a lot of things for us, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and we, when we get to a point in society where we can say, hey, I respect that. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, he still says some dumb stuff, but I respect what he just did. I think that's awesome. Mm. I, I call a spade a spade and I can give credit where it's due, you know? Okay. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, and I think for everyone listening, the point of this podcast overall, and especially this episode, it's not to, it's not to push a political agenda one way or the other, but I think it's important to see DJ's perspective because it's different from a lot of black men. Um mm-hmm obviously. And to me, all that sounded very logical. It sounded like it's founded upon what you research in terms of facts and what's actually out there. Um, We don't all have to agree, but to me, your perspective makes sense. And I think that's the point of what we're trying to say here is it may be a different perspective, but let's listen to it because because we don't want to just be exposed to the same types of people all over over the place because then we can't expand and grow. So we kind of have a a small perspective of DJ's conservative, quote unquote, conservative values. Um, Let's let's go to number two. Um, Tell us about your, I guess, your experience in law enforcement. I know right now you're you're serving in both the government law enforcement, also in private security. Um, Can you share a little bit of your experience with that? You know, I got I got into law enforcement in 2016. Um, I got in post the Michael Brown era, right? Um, you know, born and raised here in St. Louis City, um, and so we saw Ferguson. I got I got a chance to see Ferguson firsthand, and and what I was seeing all you know all riots, all the looting, all the protests, right, good or bad. I saw all of this, and I thought one thing: there, right now, we are like there, there's a cry for help, and it's a re- legitimate cry for help, right? People. People are expressing emotion, um, and that emotion is real. Now, whether it's it's a you know it's a valid reason to to do whatever it is, that's not my that's not my that's not what I'm getting into. My point is is I saw an emotion. I saw I saw emotion of anger um, that needs to be addressed, right? And so I think one of the biggest things that I pulled from from seeing Mike Brown, and this was again before I got into law enforcement, um, was that you know. Gandhi, everybody knows Muhammad Gandhi. He, he, one of his, his, his best quotes that I love is, be the change you wish to see in the world, right? And so I saw we were having issues with law enforcement, right? And there's this disconnect in law enforcement. How can I change that, right? How can I be that change, right? And so, you know, I thought to myself, well, I mean, more police officers, I, would, I think it'd be cool if they looked more like me. If I saw more of those guys that looked like me, well, how do I do that? I can't just talk about it. So I go get in, I go join the police academy and I get through it. Um, for me, that, that was, that was imperative, you know? And so I got in post Michael Brown era and my goal was honestly just, just, just to be that, that officer in that community um, that looked like that community, you know, and, and, and to, to, because, you know, I've never personally had a bad or negative experience with law enforcement. I never have, you know, and I, I was raised to respect authority. I was raised, uh, you know, when you get in, in, in those situations, you know, we can talk about it later. You know, right then is not, you know, that, that, the police officer is not the judge, mm-hmm. right? He's just the police officer, you know? And, and so I've never had a bad experience. I know bad experiences have happened to many, many people, right? But I've never experienced one myself. So, you know, I think it was important for me to like, you know, say, hey, well, well what's, what's really going on in there? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and again, what can I do to change that? 
um, because just talking about it is not going to do it. Just just going out in the streets for two weeks and protesting is not going to do it. If we want change, we have to affect that by the means that we, we can we can do that. I think everybody has a certain responsibility to affect change within their own means. Um, and so I just chose to, to try to be a part of that change and, and to, to say, you know, hey, here's a police officer who looks like his community. Um, that's not that, you know, typical bad cop that everybody likes to, to, to dress them. And, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, a group. It's probably about eight of us. Um, these are some of my best friends. A lot of them are going to be in my wedding. And, and they're all police officers. They're all African-American police officers. Um, one of them is my best friend. Uh, I treat him like, I mean, he, he's, he's my brother. You know, I'm his God, godfather to his child. Um, and he's a St. Louis County police officer. And this is my best friend. Um, you know, and we all got into this for the same reasons. You know, we, we want to be that change, right? There, there's no point to just keep talking about it and talk about what you should be doing. Let's talk about what I could be doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I think when people take that approach on and, and this is not just on police brutality or um, or just policing in general. I mean, this we can look at this, look at everything this way. Right. Um, if you don't like the, the, the way your neighborhood looks, well, you don't move neighborhoods. You just change how the neighborhood looks. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't like how those streets look. You don't like the spot holes. We'll get out there with some shovels. Right. If you, uh, you don't like the trash in your street. We'll get it out there with, with, with some trash bags. Right. So, what can you do? Everybody has a responsibility, in my opinion, to, to do that. To, and and it's, it's, it's easy within everybody's own individual needs. When, when you joined the police force, you said it was in 2016. Mm -hmm. So that's about four, four-ish years, right? I don't know if this is something that you could measure, but once you join the police officer as a black man, and then um, the the ones that you grew close close to were also black police officers. Do you feel like, let's just say, the nine black police officers? There's probably more, mm -hmm. but what positive influence do you think that that would have had or that did have on the black community in the last four years, as opposed to being all white police officers? Yes, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's a unique thing, but uh, I mean, here's here's something that that nobody wants to talk about, nobody wants to hear. Or, or, or even a lot of people, I'm not even sure, like know this exists, but mm -hmm. as black officers, we actually get it worse from the black community. Um, and it's because of this idea that, you know, I'm supposed to be on your side and I'm supposed to take up your side and take up arms with you without, without questioning whether or not you're right or wrong. And I think that that's the biggest disconnect that we're having here is, is people don't understand that, hey, you know, I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're 80 years. I've had a knife pulled on me by a 76 year old white woman. Oh my gosh. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you look like. I don't care who your parents are. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. You know? And I think, you know, taking that personal accountability and responsibility for our actions is the biggest, biggest disconnect that we have. We get it. We get it pretty bad. You know? So this last round of protests we've had, I mean, I've been called every single name under the book by people that look exactly like me. Just because I'm black and I'm in the uniform. Oh man. Okay. So yeah. let's, let's use that transition. It's out there, but nobody wants to talk about it. Why, why do you think that is? And what, okay. This is kind of an ignorant question from my perspective, potentially, but can you define, <laughs> define what it means to quote unquote be black? Cause in this context, right. It's more than just the color of your skin. It's a community and I have different ideas in my head, but please go ahead. You know, I mean, it, it's a culture, right? You know, and, and I think right now we're having a, an identity crisis within our culture and what that actually means, you know? Um, I think when we look at, you know, 
the, the Martin Luther King Jr.'s, when you look at those people and, and what they did for the black community and, and the culture that they tried to get us into, this, uh, this identity of, you know, we're all Americans, we're all in this together, we're all equal. I think we've lost that right now, you know? And I think right now there's a lot of things, whether it's biases, um, you know, racial things that are out there, racial tensions that, that you know, because they do exist, racism does exist. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I, think, I think it's a, it's a culture issue that we're seeing right now, you know, and, and for me being black, I mean, that, you know, for me, it's different. Like I said, I mean, I didn't, I, my, my upbringing statistically is, is a pretty average upbringing, right? Single parent home, um, you know, in the hood, I grew up in, I mean, my, my, the, the block that I grew up on, uh, the History Channel were actually, you know, the Ganglands documentaries that are out there. We actually, there was actually a Gangland documentary on the block that I grew up on. I mean, it was a pretty rough area, you know? Um, but I think it, it's, it's, it's a cultural thing and we're trying to figure out what that identity really, really looks like. Right. Because there's a lot of narratives, there's a lot of statistics, there's a lot of things out there that, that, that say who a black man is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think right now it's more about, it's more about recreating that culture and recreating what that looks like. And so for me personally, it's important that, that I, again, be a part of that change. Right. So what do I do? I, I've, I've, I'm a, a high school football coach. Um, I've, I've coached in many different high schools in the St. Louis area. Um, I sit on the board of directors for a nonprofit that specifically works with underprivileged youth. Um, I've done a lot of things to, to kind of, you know, show young people that look like me, hey, here's an example of a guy that looks just like you that quote unquote made it, right? Or got out of the hood or got out of, of poverty and got out of all of that thing. I think we have to realign with what that definition means. And I think the moment we stop putting color lines on on things, right, is is the point when we really get to get to a different place in society. Hmm. Uh, it's not about being black. It's not about being white. It's about being, you know, being a human in the country that you're living in and then making the best out of that. Mm -hmm. You know, being black shouldn't afford me more or less. Being white shouldn't afford somebody being, you know, more or less, in my opinion. Um, it's, it's, an Amer it's an American, you know, humanity issue. Hmm. It's a culture issue we have to fix. Okay. So let's... Let's circle back a little bit. Now we have kind of a picture of who you are in terms of the conservative side, the, the law enforcement side, and being black. Uh, you kind of mentioned already one, when you're in law enforcement, you get it worse than your white counterpart because you are black. Yep. Um, and from the black community, they've, they've called you every name under the sun, you said. And um, I guess like the assumption for me is that it must be hard to, to be you and to stand up for what you believe in while that's happening as a law enforcement officer. You're someone who's trying to protect the people, protect the people, quote unquote, not quote unquote, people in general, right? You're protecting Everybody. citizens, exactly. Right. Right. But yet this group of people who are, who are your people, they're all of a sudden calling you out for being part of the enemy. Um, can you give us an example of one that happened? Like what do people say and why do you think that happens? So there was, uh, uh, we, had, we had about, two weeks or so of riots. I was out working, so I did my, 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 my personal security stuff during the day, and then I was going at night and, and working the riot lines. And um, he was stationed at uh, the Ferguson Police Department. Um, he was on the line, it was just him. Um, the rest, everybody else, all the other police officers on that line were white. He was the only black guy, riot shields, all of this stuff. Somebody called out from the crowd and I guess recognized him because he's from that community, right? Grew up in that community. Somebody called his name out, singing him out from the line and say, fuck you, uh, I'm going to kill your kid. 
called his name out verbatim, okay? And and so, you know, it was like four in the morning, he called me, and he was really, really distraught, and we talked about it, you know? And his kid's black, right? He's black, his kid's black, his wife's black, he's from that area, he's, he grew up in that community, and, and, and this is the type of hate we see. I, I've seen similar attacks. I've been called, called the Coons and Uncle Toms just for doing my job, just for trying to provide for my family, right? Um, you know, and, and you know, it, it's a tough thing, right? Why? Why does that happen? And I think, again, it goes back to the fact that, you know, Black people expect whether right or wrong, because that's not being addressed, whether anything is right or wrong, you're just supposed to be with me because you look like me. Right. You're not allowed to think differently or do differently because you look like me. And I think that that's where the disconnect is. And, and, and when you have people that have the ability to say, hey, that's not how that works. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. And, and I'll stand with you if you're right, not, no matter what color you are. Uh, and I think that's that's another thing to remember, too, man. It's like, you know, law enforcement, we're not, you know, I'm a police officer for my community and whoever lives in that community. Uh, and 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 that that's where the disconnect is, you know. And, and it's this inability to take responsibility for our actions. It's a real it's a real conversation, um, you know. And and nobody wants to have those conversations because it just doesn't fit their narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Do you? You don't strike me as someone who will close their mouth of their opinion and perspective because it makes somebody uncomfortable i'm not saying that you're purposely offensive but i feel like you're not really afraid of the backlash or you're not going to let that fear of backlash stop you from being you um i think it goes back to my point about you know morals and values right you know i can't stand by my morals and values no matter what situation look through the the smoke screens and all of that are they really my morals and values do i mean do they really if 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 i don't stand for anything i'm gonna fall for everything right Mm -hmm. um you know and and so you know, you got to think about what's necessary. Okay. Um, there, there's a, a famous quote. I, I, I can't remember who says it, but you know, if, if you're sitting in a room with people with, with five people and everybody's thinking the same, nobody's thinking, hmm. right. I, I embody that, you know, I don't, I don't see a problem with thinking differently. And, and, and just because I don't think like you or agree with every single thing that you say, doesn't mean that I have to hate you. It doesn't mean that I don't like you. It means I just don't agree with you, right? Agree to disagree because at the end of the day, we, we still, we, we're still in the same room. We're still in the same country. We're still in the same community and we still got to live together, right? And, and so the, the point is, 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 you know, it's not this, you know, it's going to either be black or white. It's that middle part, you know, can, can we get to, to, to consum- some type of consensus and, and move forward from there? Um, but backlash doesn't, 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 you know, I think some people backlash, you know, when, when when they got millions of followers or this cancel culture that's out there now, you know, dude, I'm not I'm not worried about that because at the end of the day, I know I I truly believe what where I stand and what I'm fighting for and what I believe in is right, um, you know, and 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 if I I feel like I would be doing myself and, and my community a disservice if I did not share that, it's really you're getting to a point where I can I can you bring an issue and, I, and I'll do my homework and and I'll come back to you and let you know how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's okay if I don't agree with you on it. I think we're, I mean, that's free will, right? We're all individuals and we all have the, the power, the freedom to do that. And I think more people should be doing that. I think one thing about you, just from hearing you talk right now, and then also having heard your perspective on Real AF is 
um, you have a different perspective, but then you also share it in a way that's not, uh, not offensive necessarily to people. And what I mean by that is I feel like one of the problems that we have in society with, you mentioned five people sitting in a room and hopefully not thinking the same thing. That's beneficial mm-hmm. if you're able to have that conversation, not just listen, but also speak in a way where it's not like me basically calling you stupid or ignorant because you believe what you believe in. Um, and I feel like you've kind of, I don't want to say mastered it at this point because I don't even know what that level of mastery is, but you, you speak your different perspective uh, on, on many different things, but in a way that's almost, let's call it winsome, right? Like you're trying to win this person to see your perspective, not necessarily over to your perspective, but help them open up and help them just disarm in order to listen. And that's such a big difference between doing it in a winsome way versus sharing your perspective in a way that's so offensive that they don't hear you. And instead they hate your perspective even more. How do you do that? If you were to put that in a a practical way for someone to just listen and, and run with it, what's some advice that you might have? One of the biggest things that I've had to learn how to do is because again, man, I want everybody to win and I truly believe where I stand is right. Right. Um, and so the, the, the most important thing, and this goes for anybody that that's in the same situation, whether you're black or white, you know, if, if you have somebody that disagree with you, the biggest thing that you have to understand is your delivery. Right. And, and that's something I'm still working on to this day because it's not easy. Right. Like the, and I don't think there'll ever be a day where I'm absolutely perfect or mastered it at all, but delivery is huge. Right. And so I think when you come from a standpoint of, you know, I actually care about people. And I care about, again, I care about people that look like me. I care about people that don't look like me, right? And I want all of us because we're still in the same country or a community. We're all in this still together. We just got to figure out how we get to that collective uh, consensus. And so caring about people, genuinely care about people. I care about, you know, what what my daughter's classroom is going to be like and what they're going to be teaching her. I care about all of that, right? And so I've had to learn that delivery, right? And, I, and I, another thing, just a quick tool that I've used um, cause I have a, I have a bachelor's in psychology, science and psychology. So I love, you know, how people think, how to talk to people, how to motivate people. That's what I love. Um, and it's helped me tremendously just, you know, in law enforcement and, and just every, everyday life. Um, you know, but there's, there's a, a school of thought in psychology. It's called ETA versus EAT. Right. Um, and so it's like, you know, 99% of people are going to be, uh, uh, eaters. So they have the emotion for E, they have the action, A, and then they, 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 then they think about it. So the T, the emotion, action, thought. 99% of people are like that, right? We have an emotion. I don't like that. I act, I, you know, and I, whether it's with violence, whatever it is, and then, I, and then I'll think about it later, right? A lot of people are eaters, okay? A lot of people eat EAT, and I think the shift has to be to, to ETA. So I have an emotion, I think about it, and then I act, right? And, um, and one of the biggest things I do, man, I try to, th- I, I, everything that, that, that I do or say, I try to think twice, speak once, think twice, act, right? And I'm always thinking not only about the consequences for me, the consequences for, for somebody else, what that means to them, how that affects them. I have to have an emotion, then I have to think about it, and then I'll act on it, right? A lot of, like, and I, see, I think we're seeing that all over the world right now is you have a lot of people who have emotions, and then they're acting. And then they'll think about the consequences later. Mm-hmm. If we can, if we can change that cycle and how that, that, that circle works, 
um, we'll get we'll get better, you know. But my for me, my my delivery has been the most important thing that I try to focus on because again, I, I care about this country. I care about this world. I care about my community. Um, I care genuinely, and I, and I want to see it look amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but delivery is huge, right? And if if I if I just you know attack somebody and you're stupid, you're dumb, you, why do you think like this? I ain't gonna get nowhere with that. <laughs> I yeah. want you to win with me, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I got, I got the delivery is the delivery's huge. I think step one, you kind of glossed over because it comes so naturally to you, uh, which is care about people. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff, all the practical stuff that we've been talking about, listening to people, delivering properly, et cetera, et cetera. None of that is going to matter. And you're not going to be motivated to do any of that if you don't care about people. And ideally, Ideally, 100% of people that we talk to and interact with will generally care about people. But I feel like a lot of people don't, or at least Mm -hmm. they don't care about people and society as a whole more than they care about themselves. I care about me more than I care about you. Therefore, I say what I want because this is how I want to do it. I don't know if you have an answer to this, I don't know if there is an answer to this, but how do we help people to care more? How can we shift their perspective to look beyond themselves? You know, and, and I don't think you can. I think there, there's, I mean, dude, there, there, I don't, I've never read a book that teaches somebody how to care. Right. I, but I don't think you need a book. I think it's something in, that, that is innate as human beings. We have that ability. There's going to be some outliers, of course. Right. Um, those are going to be your, your mass murderers, your, uh, you know, your serial killers or right, who just don't care. Right? Those people are there, right? But I think the good collective of humans, we have that innate ability to, 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 to care about somebody. Um, it's there. You know, it doesn't take a book. It doesn't take a, a four-year degree to do that. It doesn't take a classroom. It doesn't take, it, it doesn't take any of that. We have it in us. The question is, is when do we get to a point where I can say, hey, this is not about me. It's a selfish issue that it's a selfish issue that we have right now, and 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 that comes with. I put I put you like this, right? If I want, if I want something, right, I have to understand that I can still get what I want, and make it make it good for you too, and understand that if I if I actually care about you, I can probably get more for what I want. Right. And, and I think when you have selfish people who only care about themselves and they just want what they want and they only want what they want and they only care about what they want, they're going to get five years from now, 10 years from now. And like, well, why, why don't, why don't I have more? Well, because you didn't care about nobody, you know? And, 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 you know, you can get places. People, people are successful off the backs of other people and they didn't give one lick of or ounce of, of care and, and they and they're pretty successful that it happens outliers though right yeah. and 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 when we talk about substance and what that you know is it genuine you know yeah you built an entire empire but i mean are you happy do you feel good about yourself right How, what did you have to do to get there right uh-huh. um or can we get to that same place of, of success and happiness and help millions of other people along the way Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's in everybody to care. Right. But I have to, I have to, me caring about you is going to create a byproduct of, of my happiness and success. That's just how I look at it. So what you're saying is the more you care about the world and everybody else selflessly, mm-hmm. 
you'll mm-hmm. actually end up caring more about, well, not caring, you'll actually end up lifting yourself up more as a result. Oh, 100%. 100%. It sounds right to me, man. I just wanted to reiterate that for people who didn't get it. <laughs> um, oh, man. I'm going to go ahead and ask you this question because I think you'll have so much to say or at least say it in a beautiful way. Um, one of the things that we'd like to ask our guests is when we see the problem of a division in this world today, especially in today's climate, and I know we talked about this a little bit already. In a sentence or two or paragraph or as long as you want to go, um, what do you think is the best way for us to be able to get past this, this cancel culture, this culture of making these assumptions real quick, judging really quick, and then just say, forget about you. I don't want to deal with you anymore because it's cancerous. Right? People call it cancer culture because yep. cancel culture is cancer culture. How can we fix that, man? Mm. So, you know, there, the old, you know, it's like one of the golden rules, right? You can't judge a book by its cover, right? Mm. Well, I mean... You kind of can. I mean, you got to read that, that cover page to know what the book's about, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I think, I think it is a weird balance. I think, the, I think how we attack that is we tell people, you, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you need to matter what's on that cover, mm-hmm. right? And so, for me, my biggest thing is how I'm perceived in society, right? Um, you know, the, simply just looking at whether you're strolling on my IG page, whatever it is, what do you see initially, right? Is it good or bad? And, and I think because we make those, you know, we make those preconceived notions and we build those biases off of what we see immediately about people. And especially now in this day and age with social media being so present, it's very, very easy for people to judge you, mm-hmm. right? And people have no idea, or you can put one thing out there and get canceled, right? And people absolutely know nothing about you whatsoever, right? And uh, personally, Andy, you know, Andy Frisella, he's seen it uh, when he did the Blackout Tuesday thing, right? He didn't post a black square and people automatically assume, oh no, you're horribly racist. Yeah. Well, this man has been stabbed in the face for sticking up for racial equality, you yeah. know? And, and so I think it's important, you know, but I think, you know, I, I don't know all the answers. I think a quick fix, like I said, I mean, you know, if you don't want people to judge you by your cover, well, what does your cover say? What does that cover page look like? Um, you know, is it something from, again, removing emotions with you, you know, if somebody looks at that cover page, what does it say? You know, a brief synopsis of you as a person, right? Uh, the cover page has to be interesting or you're not going to read the book. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, you know, if that book doesn't look interesting, if I can't just read, you know, flip that back on the back page of that book and read that little quick synopsis, if it doesn't sound interesting, mm-hmm. probably not going to read it. Right. So I think we all need to do it. Do everybody needs to do some self-reflection. Everybody needs to, to check what's on that, that cover page for themselves. Right. And how are you being perceived quickly? Because at this point, we're in a point in society where nobody really cares about what your story is. Oh. Right. And nobody's going to take, take the time. I mean, dude, I mean, even on social media, right. And you put an Instagram story, nobody's sitting there and reading every single slide on your story. That's not how it works. Right. But what's the overall coverage page that you're presenting? What are are people looking at? What is that quick glimpse? Right. What does that look like? You know, and I think we all need to do some self-reflection, maybe tighten that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. So when people do look at me, what do they see right there? What's easy to see, you know? Um, and clean up those cover pages individually for, for our own personal cover page. We're all books. We all have them, right? Um, and we have to make ourselves more interesting for people to want to, to want to get to know us. Interesting. 
Ooh, I'm glad I asked you that question. <laughs> One thing that I would kind of makes me think as you say that is, like you said, people judge a book by its cover. Um, and I feel like sometimes people get offended by that because, hey, you judge me based on my cover. But I feel like the other perspective is maybe the cover actually is an accurate representation of who you are, but you just don't exactly. know it. Exactly. And like you said before, too, it is a balance, right? So maybe they are getting the wrong picture and maybe mm -hmm. they maybe they just messed up. Maybe the cover page that you have is not an accurate representation of who you are. You're not as bad as you think. Yeah. But at the same time, maybe you are, right? Yeah. And self-reflection. Ooh, that's a different perspective, man. I like that. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad I had you on the show. Uh, DJ, I kind of went out of order here, but where where can people find you, man? I know yeah. that you are someone with incredible value and incredible perspective, and uh, I just want people to find you if they find you interesting. So where can yeah, they find absolutely. you, man? So I'm, on, I'm on Instagram. That's what I use the most. Um, it's what I'm trying to work on right now is, is, is making sure that cover page looks good, right? And um, accurate. And accurate, right? Um, but you can find me on Instagram, um, officially D Johnson. So all one word, no spaces, officially be Johnson on Instagram. Um, that's where I spend most of my time. Okay. So officially D Johnson. We're going to have a link to that in the podcast notes in case, I mean, it's not that hard to spell, but yeah. in case you have some <laughs> issues, we don't right. judge anybody here. So we'll put that in the show notes for you. Um, any last words for us? Any last words of advice before we wrap up for today? Yeah, no, I, I just like, I mean, I, I think we talked about some really, really good topics, man. I think, I think just to kind of, you know, you know, wrap that up again. I mean, guys, like, listen, we're, we're all individuals, right? We all have that ability to think for ourselves. Um, and we're provided a country where we can do that um, without fear of going to jail just because you think differently. And, and things like that happen in other countries. That's a real, that's a real, um, real thing, you know? And so I think, you know, if we don't like what we see, how can we change that, right? Talking about it sounds great, right? But at some point we have to be able to merge our, our perception or our idea, you know, our, how we want the world to look. We have to take how we want the world to look and then what the world actually looks like and try to get those together some way. Um, and so I just challenge everybody, man, you use that free will, use your individual thinking, uh, think for yourself um, and go find your own truth. Don't just listen. Don't, don't just listen to me. Don't listen to Paul. I mean, listen to us. Obviously. I mean, hopefully <laughs> I, I hope you like what we're saying. Right. Um, but you can't you can't just take one source and listen to just that one source and like, OK, I made my mind up. That's it. Um, you know, you have the freedom and power to, to do more than that. Um, so build that and then, you know, figure out, what, what, you know, what side of history you want to be on. You know, um, you know, are you going to be out in the streets cleaning up trash? Or do you, you, you say to yourself, you're tired of cleaning up trash all the time. Or what are you doing about it? Hmm. You know, and uh, so I, I, I put that personal challenge out for everybody that, you know, that is listening to this. Um, Paul, I just want to say thank you again for having me on here, man. Dude. Oh man. You guys remember the, the reason why we had DJ on here was because this idea, if not us, then who, I feel like he embodies that to a T if not me, then who, who's going to be the one that stands up as a black police officer in St. Louis after all the, the racial riots stuff happened, who's going to be the one that stands up being called all these names by his own people and own community because they get a misunderstanding of who he is. Um, who's going to be the one to stand up against the backlash to speak truth to the communities and to continue to fight for what's right. If not us, then who this man right here, DJ Davion Johnson is the guy that embodies it so much. So dude, we are so glad to have you on the show. I think I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit. I think I chose the right guy for this <laughs> little campaign that we're doing. 
Um, so again, man, thank you for being with us. Thank you for your time. For everyone who's listening right now, I hope you got some value out of it. And as DJ said, and I want to remind you as well, the power for change is not left up to heroes. It's not left up to the big politicians and all these heroes who we think are going to come save us. It's, it's on you. It's on the little things that you do on a day-to-day basis, the small actions that you take when no one else, when no one else is around and you know, they're to, to compliment you or to praise you. It's, it's those little things. But once we make those decisions in our small communities, collectively, that's going to change the world for greater, the greater good, for better, and it's going to be better for everyone. So, so thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time. Oh,